Let's go to God in prayer. God, we are so grateful to be in this place this morning. I'm thankful for each and every person who has decided to join us, both in these seats and on Facebook. The folks behind me, I pray that you would bless each and every one of them. Pour out your Holy Spirit on them this morning. May they know and feel your presence. May they feel touch from you, perhaps one that they have not felt before, one that would change them fundamentally. Something would be different about them as they leave this place and that they would carry that out into the world. We are here for you, Lord. We are here not only to praise your name, but to hear from you. Because we are the disciples of your Son, we want to hear our marching orders. We want to know what it is that you have for us this week. We want to be filled with all the good things that you give us that enable us to go out and do that good work. Part of what is holding us back this morning is that we know we have made some mistakes this week as individuals, as a community, as a denomination, as your church. We have made some mistakes that we need to confess, Lord. Things that we've done, left undone, spoken, unspoken, known and unknown. We have failed you in various ways. But we hold on to the promise that you give us that if we would just confess these things, you are willing and able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to remove our sin as far as the east is from the west, and to remember it no more. And so we ask for that this morning. As I ask each person in this place just to confess silently in their hearts the things they need to say to you. Help us to trust that you are actually the safest place to turn. When our, when our instinct tells us to run and hide like Adam and Eve, the safest place is actually to turn to you in that moment. Help us to believe that and to turn to you right now. Thank you for hearing these silent prayers. Thank you for loving us despite our sin. Thank you for forgiving us. Lord, we also want to lift up to you heavy burdens that we carry in this morning. We just want to make sure there's nothing standing in the way of uh, seeing you this morning. So we're going to call out names, people, situations, things going on, things that were just heavy on our hearts this morning that we're carrying in. We're going to call these out to you. We're going to ask you to hear, even as some of them might overlap at times, we know that you can distinguish one prayer from another. And so we're going to say these out loud and ask that in your mercy you hear our prayer. Emily. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Mike and Jerry Hansen. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Martha. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Your people in Ukraine. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For their safety. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Upcoming benefit for Amy Critical. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 Brother Stacy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. J. Paul Trigger. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My mother. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. John. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Unspoken. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Upcoming Easter events. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Kelly Gaston's father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 Outreach for those to come to this church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The building. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. As you can hear, Lord, we have a lot on our hearts and minds this morning. We could probably continue saying these. I'm sure that there are some unspoken requests here this morning. We don't even know how to form the words. We give that all to you. We give it all to you. Free us from the burden of that. Help us to trust that you've got it. God, you got it. Help us to trust that. That even before we say it, you are working toward the good of those who love you. And we gathered here this morning, love you. And so we pray that now that we have confessed our sins, that we have given over those things that burden us to you, that we might be free to worship in spirit and in truth as your family gathered under this roof. We thank you. We bless you. We love you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the kids to come up here. Jay, you're already here. Are you having a meeting? What are you doing? Come on. Come on, y'all. Come hang out with me. Good job. Good job. He can tie his shoes. He's got a, a, a sweet pair of Adidas, and he can tie them. That's a good, that's a milestone, right? That's good. Oh, yeah. I like the, the kind that you just put your foot in. No, no tying required, but I'm getting old. All right, listen, before we get started, we want to say a special prayer for Emily because you know she's about to have a baby, right? Do you guys know that? She's about to have a baby any day now. Uh, a little baby girl, and she was not feeling well this morning, and so that's why I'm here talking to you guys. I know she, she does a lot better than I do, but we want to pray for her. Um, okay, here's my question for you. Um, yesterday, the, the day before yesterday, uh, me and Elena and Legend, we drove to Lafayette, Louisiana to see some monster trucks. It was about a five-hour trip. Now, 
legend asked me a question on that trip more than once. Do you know what the question was? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> Have you guys ever been on a trip and you've asked that question? A thousand million times. Okay, what do your parents say to you when you ask that question? No. Unless you're already there. Right, right. And if you ask it enough times, what do they say? Yes. <laughs> yes, we're there. See, look. See that field with cows in it? That's it. We're there. Okay. So it's hard, though, to wait sometimes, especially when you're going to someplace fun and you're really looking forward to it, and you're tired of being in the car, you just want to know, when are we going to get there already? So what are some things that you can do on trips like that to kind of help pass the time? What are some? Bring a Nintendo Switch. A Nintendo Switch, okay. I'll watch my phone. Your phone? Watch YouTube. YouTube. You're all you're saying devices. What did you say? Drawing? Yes, drawing, for sure. Well, yeah, computers. What else could you do? Read a book. Good job. Right? It doesn't have to be screens. You could read a book. Drawing is perfect. You did say that. You could take a nap. YouTube is perfect. Right? YouTube is totally perfect. But parents' hopes, the hope that we have as parents, and someday you'll understand this, is that you entertain yourself, that you find a way to get through the time because the answer to your question is, are we there yet? You'll know it when we get there, right? You'll know it because you'll see monster trucks or if you're going to camping, you'll know it when we get the tent out of the car. We're there, right? Okay, well, Jesus said a long, long, long time ago that he would come back. Guess what people have been asking for 2,000 years? Is it time yet? Is he here yet? Did it happen yet? Is he coming yet? He's already, he's been here. He's been here, right? He's in our hearts. But Jesus said, you'll know it when I return because everybody will see it. Everybody will know. We won't ask that question. When is Jesus coming back? We'll know it. But we have to find some things to help us in the meantime. That's what we're going to be talking about today in um, my sermon and probably in your class today, if you guys go to class, either way, you're going to learn about what do we do in the meantime when we're waiting for Jesus and Jesus is taking a really, really, really long time, okay? Maybe drawing, maybe reading a book, okay? Maybe this is it right here, what we're doing right here together, right? This helps. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to learn about some of that stuff in class today, but we want to pray before that, so let's pray. God, we thank you for long trips to fun places, and we thank you for ways in which we can entertain ourselves. Help us to learn how to best wait for you to come back to this place in a new and fresh way to restore all things. We're sorry when we get impatient, but help us to be patient. Help us to love each other. We ask that you bless our families, our friends, bless our pets, and please continue to bless this awesome church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Okay, you guys can go to class or go back with your parents. Well, for those of you who have had to put up with me for the last several months, you know that I, 
uh, use the narrative lectionary. We've been telling the story of God's people. We started months and months ago back in Genesis, and we're working our way through. Well, now we're in the story of Jesus because we're leading up to his death and resurrection. And so today we are in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about that time when he would return, and he tells them a parable. So let's listen to that parable. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to tell you a story I'm, I'm not too proud of. It's a little embarrassing, but a, a few years ago, Elena and I were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, and we decided that for our 25th, we wanted to do something big. I found a cruise out of Miami that was going to the Bahamas and Grand Cayman, oh, Jamaica, Jamaica and Grand Cayman. We went to the Bahamas on Disney. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, yes, I know we have a port right in Galveston, but those, it wasn't, none of those ships were going to those destinations. I wanted to go to those places. And so I found a cheap flight to Miami, really cheap flight, uh, booked the cruise at a great rate. We packed our bags. We uh, made sure that we had babysitters and pet sitters and all that stuff was and in line. And so the morning of the flight, uh, I, I had planned it all out and we got in the car I had plenty of time to get to the airport, I thought. Uh, what I didn't anticipate was traffic. Uh, the trip to the airport actually took longer than I thought, and I was watching the clock, and it's getting, it's getting later and later. And then we park our car in the parking lot, and we're waiting on a shuttle, and it's getting later and later, and the shuttle moves at a nice slow pace from the parking lot to the airport, and I'm going, this thing needs to go faster. And then we get there and we've got large bags that need to be checked. And I get up to the counter and I said, we need to check our bags for this flight. And they said, checking is closed for that flight. 
Uh, in fact, you, you probably need to get through security. And so we found some guy that was selling bags in the lobby and we bought carry-on size and we're taking everything out of the big bags and stuffing them into the small bags so that we could carry on. And, and then we get through security and finally we're running to the gate just as they're closing the door. And we miss the flight. Now, I've booked a cruise at this point. Uh, I'm not going to miss this dang cruise. And so $1,000 and another flight later, we are on a Delta flight uh, that put us back a couple of hours. We land in Miami. The clock is ticking. The door to the ship closes at a certain time. I need a cab. Step on it, cabbie. Get us to the place. We're driving. There's traffic in Miami. We get to the terminal. Uh, we were probably one of the last people to get through uh, the security and we stepped onto the ship just as they're closing the door and we collapsed on our beds and we were exhausted. It was a day of being late the entire time trying to start a vacation. I will never, ever, ever make that mistake again. I will spend the night outside the airport if I need to. I'm not going to miss another flight. That was an expensive second flight that I had to book. We're hanging out with Jesus today, the Gospel of Matthew. He and the disciples, and guess what Jesus is talking about? His favorite topic, the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, he loves to talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he says, you know what? It's going to be something like this day that I just described. Planning for an event, but never really knowing how long it's going to take to get there. So you need to plan for delays. Expect delays. Of course, the event that he's talking about is his second coming. The return of Jesus. Uh, the day that he will appear in the clouds and everybody will know it. Uh, the Greek word is parousia. It's the thing that we have been talking about for a very, very long time. This day that the next age is ushered in. And Jesus tells his disciples in chapter 23 or 24, he says, Look, I don't even know when this day is. Only my Father in heaven knows. I don't even know. And so that brings up this question then, Okay, Jesus, then how do you prepare for something with no schedule and no timeline? I knew when the flight was and I still missed it. How are we supposed to prepare for this thing that we have no idea? And so he gives us this parable. He's talking about another wedding party. He seems to like to talk about wedding parties too. I think last week was a wedding party. But in this story that he gives, there's 10 bridesmaids. They all have oil lamps. They, they go out to meet the groom as he's coming in to start the wedding. Uh, five of them only have the oil that's in their lamp. But the other five, for whatever reason, expected delays. And so they packed extra flasks of oil to keep their lamps lit. Well, the groom's arrival was delayed. And so when he finally showed up, the five that took extra oil were good to go. They trimmed their lamps, poured in the extra oil, and they're ready to go. The five that didn't pack extra oil, I guess they found like a 24-7 oil shop that was open at midnight in the Middle East. I don't know. Maybe they have those. 
but they went to, maybe it's like 7-Eleven, or open 24-7. They went and bought more oil. By the time they get back, they missed the flight. I mean, they missed the party by mere seconds as the door is closing. Now, this is one of those parables that people have been trying to decipher for ages. This is not one of the parables that Jesus explains. Some of them he tells us exactly what it means. This is not one of those. And so we've been trying to decipher it. But there's some pretty common uh, understandings of this. Uh, you know, if you look up commentaries, you'll see there, there's a lot of consensus that the groom is probably Jesus. Uh, the bridesmaids are probably the church. Uh, the party is the beginning of the heavenly age. We talk about in communion when we take communion that we feast at his heavenly banquet. That, that imagery of sitting down and feasting at this banquet, this wedding party, is pretty common when we're talking about eternity, uh, the rushing in of eternity. It seems to me pretty obvious that the lamps represent the good works that we're called to do. Jesus has said some things leading up to this. He said, you are the light of the world. Uh, let your light so shine before people that they praise, they, they see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So light for Jesus tends to be doing the right thing, doing the things we're called to do. Here's what we don't know. What is the oil? What is the stuff that they ran out of? And what does that have to do with Jesus' final command to stay awake when we know that all ten women fell asleep? We'll try to answer that. You guys know I'm training for a, a bike event. You've seen that. We're doing April 15th. April 15th. We're doing 22 miles in Athens. we got some church folks that are doing that. We're kind of training for that. I decided, uh, maybe I'm crazy, I don't know. Uh, I decided I was going to do the MS-150 this year. You guys know the MS-150? Okay, this is a thing they do to raise money for, for MS research and uh, find a cure. Two-day event, 150 miles over two days. You go from Houston to LaGrange, and then the second day is LaGrange to College Station. Okay? I've got friends that do it every year. Ken's done it twice. Ken's done it twice and lived to tell about it. Um, I've never done it. I've always wanted to, so I said, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. So now I'm in the, like, what did I do? This is crazy. So I'm trying to train for this thing, and I'm figuring something out. Here's what I'm figuring out. When you are training to ride a bike for five, six, seven hours, twice, two days, I mean, it's like a seven-hour ride. When you're, when you're training to do that, you have to give serious thought to how you fuel your body. So here's what I've learned so far in just researching. All of us sitting here today, we have about an hour to an hour and a half worth of carbohydrates just stored in our body, ready to go when needed. If a lion starts chasing you right now, you probably wouldn't be able to outrun him, but you could run for about an hour before you run out of carbohydrates, okay? Now, at that point, your body just gives up because there's nothing left to burn. It doesn't have, that's what carbohydrates do. They're ready to go for us to burn when we need it, okay? And so what you have to do when, you're, when you anticipate exercise that's going to go longer than an hour or an hour and a half, you have to refuel your body with more carbs. And you have to do this before you feel hunger because I'm told once you feel hunger, the game is over, right? The ride is over. You're done. 
So you've got to make sure you replenish the carbs so your body can begin to turn those into energy while you're exercising before you get hungry. And so what I do is when I go out to train, uh, I pack some energy bars. We have pockets in the back here for our bike jerseys. And I put some energy bars in here. Uh, I've got some extra waters with electrolytes or whatever in, on my bike. I put an extra bottle of water back here. And then I've also got this little flask. It's a little, um, it's a little flask. And I mix honey and coffee in there. And so I can pull that out and I can squeeze that in my mouth. And that's about 30 grams of carbs right there, which takes about 30 minutes to burn. Okay, so every 30 minutes I'm grabbing that thing and just squeezing it in my mouth because I want to make sure that I stay ahead of the game because I know if I start getting hungry, game over. That's it. I might as well just park the bike. I'm not going to make it the rest of the trip. And so I'm thinking about this, this, this idea of, of fueling my body for the task ahead, knowing what it's going to take or really maybe not knowing what it's going to take because I've never done it before. And I'm wondering, is this kind of how this parable thing is? Is this what Jesus is talking about here? Is the oil in the parable kind of like the carbohydrates? In other words, it's the fuel that keeps the lamp lit. It's the fuel needed to carry the bridesmaids through any delays that might come up to get to the finish line when the groom appears. I mean, obviously, when, when Jesus returns, he wants to find our lamps lit, wants to find us doing the things he asks us to do, right? He's given us clear commands. Go out and love people like I've loved you. And he wants to see us doing that whenever he arrives. The question is, how do you maintain an entire life of service as individuals if we live to be... A hundred, like you're, that's really good. How do you, how do you live for a hundred years serving Jesus authentically, right? As the church, uh, we have been waiting 2,000 years last time I checked. How does the church maintain that kind of love and devotion and service to God when Jesus delays in returning year after year, month after month, decade after decade? I looked at the life of Jesus and how he trained with the disciples because they were in training. He was teaching them, this is how you ought to live and someday I'm going to turn this over to you and you all will take the helm. And so I see as he's training with the disciples, he does things like he goes off himself to pray and to rest quite frequently. He sleeps. He's sleeping in a boat when there's a storm and he goes off on a mountainside by himself to pray. He's telling the disciples, we need to go get some rest. We've been doing a lot of work. Let's get into a boat and go and rest somewhere. I see that Jesus trains with his disciples by making sure that every Sabbath they're in a synagogue somewhere, gathering with the community and hearing the scriptures read. And somebody, if it's not Jesus, is kind of expounding on the scriptures. That's a common practice for them. I see Jesus on that Monday, Thursday before his death institutes the sacrament of communion and says, I'm giving this to you to do as often as you can until I return and remember as you're taking this. And I think all of these things that Jesus is kind of uh, giving to his disciples, modeling and then 
urging them to do are maybe ways that they can fill their hearts and spirits until His return. Methods of refueling, taking care of themselves so that they can continue the work should Jesus delay in coming back. Y'all know we had COVID, just come through COVID. Weird time, wasn't it? So weird. When COVID first happened, we didn't know how it was transmitted and we were doing all kinds of crazy things, wiping down our grocery bags and in church we were we were spraying down every hymnal, <laughs> you know, because we didn't know if you touch the hymnal, do you get it? But eventually, the bishop says, hey, I, I want everybody to take a break from church, as sad as that is. And so churches everywhere were shutting down. And we go through this weird period of not having church and then maybe trying to have some sort of gathering in the parking lot, maybe, you know, whatever we can do. And then eventually we start kind of coming back and we have seats marked off, you know, so you're sitting six feet apart and just a weird time. And during this time, some of those things that Jesus gave us for training, like gathering together as the body and taking communion, we weren't able to do those things. And guess what we found out? For many of us, we missed it. But after six months, after a year, after two years, I don't know that my life's any different. In fact, it's a little bit easier now. I don't have to get up on Sunday morning. I don't want to make anybody feel guilty, especially the folks that are watching on Facebook right now. Because right, there are some legitimate reasons to be home, but I know so, so, so many people that after COVID let up and church was back in session, they just never came back. Now, I saw them at the grocery store. I saw them at the movie theater. But I didn't see them at church. Why aren't you back at church? Eh didn't change my life a whole lot, whether I was there or not. And so maybe what they would do is kind of pull up their favorite preacher on TV or on Facebook, and maybe by the glow of the screen, they would get out their crackers and their grape juice, and they would kind of, whatever, take, take their own form of communion by the glow of the screen. Let me tell you something. I think that the way that we were created in the, in the image of God, the way that Jesus has set us up to be a community together, you might be able to sustain a fruitful life for a little bit, doing it on your own, but you're going to run out of steam and you're going to run out of carbs real quick. It might take two years, three years, four years. Eventually you're going to run out of steam. Because we were meant to do this together. We were meant to have a steady supply of fuel so that we can go another week. Because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It's been 2,000 years. And see, I think the command 
to be a light in the world has not changed for the church. None of that has changed. The mandate is still the mandate. So we've got to find a way to continue to be the light of the world for 2,000 years, 4,000 years, 10,000 years. It doesn't matter. The call is the same. This right here, what we are experiencing, whether you know it or not, is the gas station. It's filling us up for the week ahead. That's what this is right now, right here. In some mysterious way, You know, Matthew wrote this to a community of believers, we think, best guesses, probably about 50 years after Jesus. He's writing this to people who had been waiting 50 years for Jesus to return, and that was much longer than anybody thought. Nobody thought it would take 50 years. Paul thought it was going to be in his lifetime. So 50 years later is a long time, and I think Matthew chose to include this parable from Jesus' ministry into his letter to his community of people who had been waiting 50 years to encourage them, not to scare them. Too often we hear this story as a scare tactic. You better stay awake or you'll get left behind, right? I have a whole series of books and movies. Don't get left behind. That was not Matthew's intent here. Matthew was trying to tell a community that had been waiting for 50 years, don't give up hope. Jesus is coming back. Keep your lamps lit. Keep gathering together. Keep taking communion. Keep opening your scriptures and reading them. Keep talking about these things. Rest. Pray. Keep your tank full. Jesus is coming back. Just hold on. And I think this can be the same for us. It's been a lot longer than 50 years. But I think this text, this parable, gives us permission to listen to our inner selves, to be aware of your own fuel gauge. Only you know how close are you to burning out. And what do you need to do to keep going? You have permission to rest, to meditate, to pray. I think at the end of the day, we can expect delays. We should expect delays. Plan for delays. As Dan says every day on Facebook, it might be today, but it might be a million years from today. We don't know, so we need to plan. We need to plan. In the meantime, God has given us each other. He's given us this gathering. What a wonderful privilege to gather with all of you, to have my tank topped off. He's given us things like communion, baptism. Man, when we get to see somebody baptized, we are participating in that as a, as a community. We're remembering our own baptisms. Our tank is being topped off. Meditating on the scriptures. Things like visiting the sick, the homebound, the imprisoned. Right? These are all things that John Wesley recognized early on and said, these are just channels of grace, means of grace. These are ways that you can be rest assured that your grace tank is going to be topped off and you'll be ready to go for the next week. But you have to do them. You have to do them. 
and keep doing them no matter how long it takes. So let us utilize these gifts that we have been given, these modes and means of grace. Let the oil flow so that we do not grow weary living as the light of the world. And to this we say, come Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this reminder today. I pray that we would take this as permission to evaluate our own fuel tanks, not as a scare tactic, but as a way to be reminded you have given us these good gifts to participate in. I pray that we would say yes to them, that we would gather as often as we can, we would take communion as often as we can, we would celebrate at baptisms, that we would open our scriptures daily, that we would spend time in prayer, that we would go with each other and visit the folks that can't be in this place this morning because of legitimate reasons. And that through all of these things, you would top off our tanks, keep our lamps lit, and come back quickly, Lord. Amen. We all grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's form a big chain. Look to your left, look to your right. These folks, believe it or not, are part of your refilling of your tank. There you go. This is the family, the gathering that God has called you to, at least in this moment right now. Give thanks for them and receive this blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven and you're uniquely empowered to go out and live as the light of the world. What a monumental task. And guess what? We're probably going to make some mistakes this week. We're going to hide our lights a couple times. But I need you to know when that happens, there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Because thanks be to God, His love for us is not dependent upon our performance. It's rooted in His very nature. God is love. So we can rest assured that when he looks at us, he says, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And I think that if you could leave here believing that, it would change this week. It would change everything for you. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.